Section 84, Introduction. On May the 6th, Joseph bade the Missouri Saints farewell, and in company with Sidney Rigdon and Newell K. Whitney, Joseph began his trip back to Kirkland. During the summer months, Joseph and Sidney moved their residence to Kirkland and were busily occupied in revising the scriptures and getting out the first edition of the Evening and Morning Star. By fall, the missionaries were returning from their fields of labor in the eastern states and furnishing encouraging reports of their missionary endeavors. Joseph says it was while they were rejoicing together that he inquired of the Lord and received the following revelation on priesthood. And here is the text of section 84. A revelation of Jesus Christ unto his servant Joseph Smith, Jr. and six elders as they united their hearts and lifted their voices on high. This is an ideal prelude to this revelation. It is a sacred pronouncement by Jesus Christ to his chosen servant Joseph Smith and six members of the priesthood who have projected their most earnest prayers into the highest precincts of heaven, seeking the counsel and advice of the Lord. Yea, the word of the Lord concerning his church, established in the last days for the restoration of his people, as he has spoken by the mouth of his prophets, and for the gathering of his saints to stand upon Mount Zion, which shall be the city of New Jerusalem. This verse is radiant with meaning. It identifies this message of the Lord as directed to his newly restored church, which has been consecrated on the earth like a sacred crucible for the restoration of God's people as he gathers them out from the four corners of the world to preside over Mount Zion and the New Jerusalem. Which city shall be built, beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord in the western boundaries of the state of Missouri, and dedicated by the hand of Joseph Smith, Jr. and others, with whom the Lord was well pleased? The heart of this holy metropolis will be the temple. The finger of the Lord has already pointed out the spot where it shall stand, and the sacred site has been consecrated and dedicated by God's young chosen prophet. Verily, this is the word of the Lord, that the city New Jerusalem shall be built by the gathering of the saints, beginning at this place, even the place of the temple which temple shall be reared in this generation. For verily this generation shall not all pass away until an house shall be built unto the Lord, and a cloud shall rest upon it, which cloud shall be even the glory of the Lord, which shall fill the house. The place appointed for the temple and the new Jerusalem is on the western border of Missouri, and it is scheduled by the Lord to be built in this generation. However, Satan himself will be held accountable for raising up the barriers of opposition that will force the temple and the city to be built in a later generation. This is Doctrine and Covenants 124, verses 49 to 53. The Lord pronounces this judgment on Satan and his minions who will deliberately impede the work of the Lord. Now we come to the genealogy of the holy priesthood. The Lord says, and the sons of Moses, according to the holy priesthood which he received under the hand of his father-in-law, Jethro. 
Jethro belonged to one of the small pockets of priesthood holders similar to the one from which the wise men came to announce the birth of the Savior. We learn that Jacob received the priesthood from Caleb, who received the priesthood from Elihu, and Elihu received the priesthood from Jeremy. Jeremy was ordained by Gad, and he was ordained by Esaias. This takes us back to the days of Abraham around 2000 B.C., when Esaias was ordained by God. Esaias gave a special blessing to Abraham, who had been ordained to the priesthood as a very young man by Melchizedek, king of Salem. We should mention that Abraham could not receive the priesthood from Terah, his own father, because Terah, his father, had become extremely apostate and sacrificed his own children. This is described in Abraham chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. And in verse 7, it says they even tried to sacrifice Abraham. Melchizedek could trace his priesthood back through the patriarchs to Noah, and Noah had the priesthood through Enoch and directly back to Adam. Around 1400 B.C., it was Jethro whose daughters invited Moses home for dinner after he had rescued their flocks from the hands of ruffians at the well. Jethro later made Moses his son-in-law, gave him the priesthood, and employed him as the manager over all his flocks. This lasted for 40 years, and then the Lord called Moses at the age of 80 to be his prophet and lead Israel out of Egypt. And Jethro received it under the hand of Caleb, and Caleb received it under the hand of Elihu, and Elihu under the hand of Jeremy, and Jeremy under the hand of Gad, and Gad under the hand of Isaias, and Isaias received it under the hand of God. Isaias also lived in the days of Abraham, and was blessed of him, which Abraham received the priesthood from Melchizedek, who received it through the lineage of his fathers even till Noah, and from Noah till Enoch through the lineage of their fathers, and from Enoch to Abel, who was slain by the conspiracy of his brother, who received the priesthood by the commandments of God, by the hand of his father Adam, who was the first man. Which priesthood continueth in the church of God in all generations, and is without beginning of days or end of years? And the Lord confirmed a priesthood also upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations, which priesthood also continueth and abideth forever with the priesthood which is after the holiest order of God. Here the Lord says he personally confirmed the Aaronic priesthood on Aaron and his seed from generation to generation. We usually think of the Aaronic priesthood being separate from that of the Melchizedek priesthood. But here the Lord reminds us that the priesthood of Aaron is a part of the priesthood, quote, after the holy order of God, unquote. And that, of course, is the Melchizedek priesthood. And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. 
the lower priesthood administers in the temporal ordinances, whereas the higher priesthood sets forth the mysteries of the gospel and the keys to a spiritual knowledge of the nature and power of God. Therefore, it is in the ordinances of the higher priesthood that the very essence of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. As a matter of fact, the Lord says that unless the higher priesthood is on the earth, the authority of the priesthood and the essence of godliness is not manifest to mankind while they are in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. It comes somewhat as a shock, but unless all of these elements of godliness are in place, no man can see the face of God the Father and live. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness, and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. We now learn a secret from Old Testament history. Namely, that Moses understood the need to properly prepare the people and sanctify them so that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Nevertheless, God was very angry with the people when they hardened their hearts so that Moses could not bring them into God's presence. Neither could they enter into God's rest while they were in the wilderness. What they were allowed to witness, however, was hearing God actually conversing with Moses. In fact, when God saw that the people would not sanctify themselves so he could appear before them, he said to Moses, quote, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever, unquote. That's Exodus 19 and 9. However, as soon as the Lord began reciting the Ten Commandments to Moses, the people panicked and fled in a body, quote, afar off, unquote. That's in Exodus 20 and 18. Moses urged the people to return and listen to the Lord recite the rest of the law. But the Israelites had heard enough. They said, quote, speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak to us lest we die, unquote. That's Exodus 20 and 19. Moses replied, quote, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your face, that ye sin not, unquote. That's Exodus 20 and 20. So Moses went back to the glorified mountain to receive the rest of the Lord's message. But the Lord wanted Moses to remind the hosts of Israel, quote, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven, unquote. Exodus 20 and 22. The fact that they had heard the Lord talking to Moses directly was to ensure their respect for the things the Lord had revealed to Moses. Even though Moses could not sanctify the Israelites sufficiently to bring them into God's presence, at least they had the scientific demonstration that they had heard the voice of God talking to Moses and giving him the Lord's divine commandments. Therefore he took Moses out of their midst, and the holy priesthood also. 
Because Israel failed to qualify sufficiently to come into the presence of God, the Father eventually took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. And the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood holdeth the keys of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel, which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and the remission of sins and the law of carnal commandments, which the Lord in his wrath caused to continue with the house of Aaron among the children of Israel until John, whom God raised up, being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. But the Lord left the Aaronic priesthood with the Israelites, which provides the carnal commandments and the preparatory gospel. This consists of faith in God, followed by repentance and baptism for the remission of sins. It also required living the carnal commandments until John came in the meridian of time to declare the coming of Christ. For he was baptized while he was yet in his childhood, and was ordained by the angel of God, at the time he was eight days old unto this power, to overthrow the kingdom of the Jews, and to make straight the way of the Lord before the face of his people, to prepare them for the coming of the Lord, in whose hand is given all power. This John the Baptist was a singular servant of God. He was baptized while he was yet in his childhood. We later learn it was when he was eight, and he was ordained to the Aaronic priesthood when he was only eight days old. Among the Jews before John's ministry, you had to be thirty years old to be a priest. And again, the offices of elder and bishop are necessary appendages belonging unto the high priesthood. In order to understand the Aaronic priesthood, it is important to appreciate that it is the bishop who presides over the Aaronic priesthood. And again, the offices of teacher and deacon are necessary appendages belonging to the lesser priesthood, which priesthood was confirmed upon Aaron and his sons. In addition to the office of priest and the Aaronic priesthood, there are the appendages of the offices of teacher and deacon. Therefore, as I said concerning the sons of Moses, for the sons of Moses and also the sons of Aaron shall offer an acceptable offering and sacrifice in the house of the Lord which house shall be built unto the Lord in this generation, upon the consecrated spot as I have appointed. The Lord has proclaimed that the sons of Moses and the sons of Aaron shall both offer an acceptable offering in the temple at New Jerusalem, and it will be built on the consecrated spot in Independence, Missouri, in this generation. Of course, the Lord was well aware that Satan and his servants would make it impossible for the will of the Lord to be carried out in this generation. But he declared his will in this revelation in order that the enemies of the church would be held accountable for preventing the will of the Lord from being carried out. This doctrine is explained by the Lord in the Doctrine and Covenants section 124, verses 51 to 53, which says, Quote, Therefore for this cause have I accepted the offering of those whom I commanded to build up a city and a house unto my name in Jackson County, Missouri, and were hindered by their enemies, saith the Lord your God. And I will answer judgment, wrath, and indignation, wailing and anguish, and gnashing of teeth upon their heads unto the third and fourth generation, so long as they repent not and hate me, saith the Lord your God. 
And this I make an example unto you for your consolation concerning all those who have been commanded to do a work and have been hindered by the hands of their enemies and by oppression, saith the Lord your God. Unquote. And the sons of Moses and of Aaron shall be filled with the glory of the Lord upon Mount Zion in the Lord's house. Whose sons are ye? and also many whom I have called and sent forth to build up my church. For whoso is faithful unto the obtaining of these two priesthoods, of which I have spoken, and the magnifying their calling, are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. The Lord holds out the highest blessings for those who accept these two priesthoods, and honor their calling throughout life and up to the renewing of their bodies in the resurrection. They become the sons of Moses and of Aaron and the seed of Abraham, and the church and kingdom and the elect of God. Those who honor their priesthood receive God's richest inheritance. They become the sons of Moses and Aaron, the seed of Abraham, the church and kingdom of the Father and the elect of God. And also all they who receive this priesthood receive me, saith the Lord. For he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my Father, and he that receiveth my Father receiveth my Father's kingdom. Therefore all that my Father hath shall be given unto him. And this is according to the oath and covenant which belongeth to the priesthood. Therefore all those who receive the priesthood receive this oath and covenant of my Father, which he cannot break, neither can it be moved. The righteous who accept the priesthood and the call to service that goes with it are committing themselves to receive the Father and the Son and the eternal covenant which he offers them. But whoso breaketh this covenant after he hath received it and altogether turneth therefrom, shall not have forgiveness of sins in this world nor in the world to come. And because of the eternal nature of God's covenant, any who desecrate or violate it will not have forgiveness in this life nor the life to come. And woe unto all those who come not unto this priesthood which ye have received, which I now confirm upon you who are present this day, by mine own voice out of the heavens. And even I have given the heavenly hosts and mine angels charge concerning you. On the other hand, those who honor their priesthood and live up to its high ideals will receive truly marvelous blessings in the mansions of the Father. And now I give unto you a commandment to beware concerning yourselves, to give diligent heed to the words of eternal life, for you shall live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. The Savior cautions his priesthood to live by every word which is proclaimed by the mouth of God. For the word of the Lord is truth, and whatsoever is truth is light, and whatsoever is light is spirit, even the spirit of Jesus Christ. God's word is truth, which means it is the eternal light or spirit of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. And the Spirit enlighteneth every man through the world that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit. And every one that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit cometh unto God, even the Father. 
You can tell who is listening to the Spirit of Christ because they are drawn to the Father. And the Father teacheth him of the covenant which he has renewed and confirmed upon you, which is confirmed upon you for your sakes, and not for your sakes only, but for the sake of the whole world. At that very moment, the Spirit was instructing them in the pathway of the covenant, which is now being showered upon the whole world through the restoration of the gospel. And the whole world lieth in sin, and groaneth under darkness and under the bondage of sin. Of course, the purpose of the second estate was to allow mankind the opportunity of learning to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, in this estate, all mankind are surrounded by evil as well as good, and all experiment with evil to some extent so they can learn to recognize it after suffering its consequences. And by this you may know they are under the bondage of sin, because they come not unto me. For whoso cometh not unto me is under the bondage of sin. And all who do not come unto Christ are under the bondage of sin. And whoso receiveth not my voice is not acquainted with my voice, and is not of me. Those who spurn the voice of the Lord are not acquainted with the voice of the Lord, therefore they are not of Christ. And by this you may know the righteous from the wicked, and that the whole world groaneth under sin and darkness even now. And your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief, and because you have treated lightly the things you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. The whole world groans under darkness, and even the saints have allowed their minds to become darkened because they have taken lightly the things that have been revealed. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. Therefore, because of vanity and unbelief, the whole church from top to bottom is under God's condemnation at the present time. This includes all of the children of Zion. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. The whole church shall continue under condemnation until they repent and comprehend the powerful truths contained in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments God has given them that they may bring forth fruit meet for their father's kingdom. Otherwise there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, Nay. Verily, verily I say unto you, who now hear my words which are my voice, Blessed are ye inasmuch as you receive these things. Either the saints will repent and treasure up the truths of the Scripture more earnestly, or they will suffer a scourge and a judgment that will pour fury down upon the heads of the children of Zion. For I will forgive you of your sins with this commandment, that you remain steadfast in your minds in solemnity and the spirit of prayer, in bearing testimony to all the world of those things which are communicated unto you. Therefore go ye into all the world, and unto whatsoever place ye cannot go, ye shall send, that the testimony may go from you into all the world unto every creature. 
There is an obligation that goes with knowledge and experience. The Lord therefore expects his servants who have seen miracles and the manifestations of God's power to bear testimony of events which have occurred in their presence. And as I said unto mine apostles, even so I say unto you, for you are mine apostles, even God's high priests. Ye are they whom my Father hath given me. Ye are my friends. In this passage, the Lord identifies the office of high priests with that of apostles or special witnesses. Jesus says these qualifications also identify his disciples as his, quote, friends, unquote. Now the Lord enumerates many of the signs which accompany those who have received the blessings of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, as I said unto mine apostles, I say unto you again, that every soul who believeth on your words and is baptized by water for the remission of sins shall receive the Holy Ghost. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall do many wonderful works. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall heal the sick. In my name they shall open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. And the tongue of the dumb shall speak. And if any man shall administer poison unto them, it shall not hurt them. And the poison of a serpent shall not have power to harm them. But a commandment I give unto them, that they shall not boast themselves of these things, neither speak them before the world. For these things are given unto you for your profit and for salvation. All of these marvelous blessings which come through the gifts of the Holy Ghost constitute, quote, miracles, unquote. Since these are specific blessings granted by the Lord, the disciples are not to boast of them as though the disciples had power to perform these acts. Actually, a disciple has no power whatever in and of himself. He must therefore acknowledge the direct intervention of God whenever these marvelous miracles occur. Verily, verily, I say unto you, They who believe not on your words, and are not baptized in water in my name for the remission of their sins, that they may receive the Holy Ghost, shall be damned, and shall not come into my Father's kingdom where my Father and I am. The failure of the people to believe the message of the gospel will condemn them to Satan's kingdom instead of the Father's mansions. And this revelation unto you and commandment is in force from this very hour upon all the world. And the gospel is unto all who have not received it. The Lord declares that from this day forward, the promises made by Jesus to his disciples in this revelation are in full force and effect. But verily I say unto all those to whom the kingdom has been given, from you it must be preached unto them, that they shall repent of their former evil works, for they are to be upbraided for their evil hearts of unbelief, and your brethren in Zion for their rebellion against you at the time I sent you. The Lord declares that the members of the church must be admonished by those who are high priests and leaders of the church for the sins that are prevalent in the kingdom. The Lord wants the leaders to especially reprimand the saints in Zion who rebelled against Joseph Smith when the Lord sent him to Missouri to set the law of consecration in order. 
Now the Lord gives a lengthy dissertation concerning the preaching of the gospel without purse or script. It had a special purpose in the days of the ancient apostles as it does in modern times. He said in verse 79 that this was to test the world, and in verses 91 to 92, the Lord describes the procedure against those who reject their message. In verse 96, he refers to the plagues that will descend upon those who reject the gospel. And again I say unto you, my friends, for from henceforth I shall call you friends, it is expedient that I give unto you this commandment, that ye become even as my friends in days when I was with them, traveling to preach the gospel in my power. For I suffered them not to have purse or scrip, neither two coats. Behold, I send you out to prove the world, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. And any man that shall go and preach this gospel of the kingdom, and fail not to continue faithful in all things, shall not be weary in mind, neither darkened, neither in body, limb, nor joint. And a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed, and they shall not go hungry, neither athirst. Therefore take ye no thought for the morrow, for what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or wherewithal ye shall be clothed. For consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And the kingdoms of the world in all their glory are not arrayed like one of these. For your Father who is in heaven knoweth that you have need of all these things. Therefore, let the morrow take thought for the things of itself. Neither take ye thought beforehand what ye shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very hour that portion that shall be meted unto every man. Therefore let no man among you for this commandment is unto all the faithful who are called of God in the church unto the ministry. From this hour take purse or scrip that goeth forth to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom. Behold, I send you out to reprove the world of all their unrighteous deeds and to teach them of a judgment which is to come. And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also, for I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about you to bear you up. Whoso receiveth you receiveth me, and the same will feed you and clothe you and give you money. And he who feeds you or clothes you or gives you money shall in no wise lose his reward. And he that doeth not these things is not my disciple. By this you may know my disciples. He that receiveth you not, go away from him alone by yourselves, and cleanse your feet even with water, pure water, whether in heat or in cold, and bear testimony of it unto your Father which is in heaven, and return not again unto that man. And in whatsoever village or city ye enter, do likewise. Nevertheless, Search diligently, and spare not. And woe unto that house, or that village or city that rejecteth you, or your words, or your testimony concerning me.
Woe, I say again, unto that house, or that village or city that rejecteth you, or your words, or your testimony of me. For I, the Almighty, have laid my hands upon the nations to scourge them for their wickedness, and plagues shall go forth, and they shall not be taken from the earth until I have completed my work, which shall be cut short in righteousness. The Lord now describes the glorious day when Zion will be established and the saints will reign triumphantly over God's promised land. Until all shall know me who remain, even from the least unto the greatest, and shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, and shall see eye to eye, and shall lift up their voice, and with the voice together sing this new song, saying, The Lord hath brought again Zion. The Lord hath redeemed his people, Israel, according to the election of grace, which was brought to pass by the faith and covenant of their fathers. The Lord hath redeemed his people, and Satan is bound, and time is no longer. The Lord hath gathered all things in one. The Lord hath brought down Zion from above. The Lord hath brought up Zion from beneath. The earth hath travailed and brought forth her strength. And truth is established in her bowels. And the heavens have smiled upon her. And she is clothed with the glory of her God. For he stands in the midst of his people. Glory and honor and power and might be ascribed to our God. For he is full of mercy justice, grace, and truth, and peace forever and ever. Amen. Missionaries who receive gifts of money should share it with their families, or if they do not have families, they should send any surplus funds to the bishop in Zion or the bishop in Kirtland. And again, verily, verily, I say unto you, it is expedient that every man who goes forth to proclaim mine everlasting gospel that inasmuch as they have families, and receive money by gift, that they should send it unto them, or make use of it for their benefit, as the Lord shall direct them. For thus it seemeth me good. And let all those who have not families who receive money, send it up unto the bishop in Zion, or unto the bishop in Ohio, that it may be consecrated for the bringing forth of the revelations and the printing thereof, and for establishing Zion. And if any man shall give unto any of you a coat or a suit, take the old and cast it unto the poor, and go on your way rejoicing. The elders who are strong in the faith should take with them those who need to learn how to develop their faith and their reliance upon the Lord. And if any man among you be strong in the Spirit, let him take with him him that is weak, that he may be edified in all meekness, that he may become strong also. Therefore, take with you those who are ordained unto the lesser priesthood, and send them before you to make appointments, and to prepare the way, and to fill appointments that you yourselves are not able to fill. Behold, this is the way that mine apostles in ancient days built up my church unto me. Therefore let every man stand in his own office and labor in his own calling. 
And let not the head say unto the feet, It hath no need of the feet. For without the feet how shall the body be able to stand? All of the priesthood must be involved at this critical time in spreading the gospel. Seventies are not mentioned because they were not yet organized. Also the body hath need of every member, that all may be edified together, that the system may be kept perfect. And behold, the high priests should travel, and also the elders, and also the lesser priests, But the deacons and teachers should be appointed to watch over the church, to be standing ministers unto the church. Bishop Newell K. Whitney is instructed to go out among the saints in search of those who are in need. And the bishop, Newell K. Whitney, also should travel round about and among all the churches, searching after the poor to administer to their wants by humbling the rich and the proud. He should also employ an agent to take charge and to do his secular business as he shall direct. Bishop Newell K. Whitney is also to go to the major cities of New York, Albany, and Boston and warn them of the desolation that is coming upon them if they do not repent. On December 16, 1877, President John Taylor saw a vision of the desolation that would come upon these cities, and it was terrible indeed. This revelation to John Taylor was copied by Wilford Woodruff into his journal on June the 15th, 1878. Nevertheless, let the bishop go unto the city of New York, also to the city of Albany, and also to the city of Boston, and warn the people of those cities with the sound of the gospel with a loud voice of the desolation and utter abolishment which await them if they do reject these things. For if they do reject these things, the hour of their judgment is nigh, and their house shall be left unto them desolate. Let him trust in me, and he shall not be confounded, and a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed. The Lord says he wants, quote, the rest of his servants, unquote, to go into all of the notable cities proclaiming clearly and understandably the desolation of abomination which will descend upon the earth in the latter days. Joseph Smith declared, quote, The time is coming when no man will have any peace but in Zion and her stakes. I saw men hunting the lives of their own sons and brothers murdering brother, women killing their own daughters and daughters seeking the lives of their mothers. I saw armies reigned against armies. I saw blood, desolation, fires. The Son of Man has said that the mother shall be against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. These things are at our doors. They will follow the saints of God from city to city. Satan will rage, and the spirit of the devil is now enraged. I know not how soon these things will take place, but with a view of them shall I cry peace? No, I will lift up my voice and testify of them. How long you will have good crops and the famine be kept off, I do not know. When the fig tree leaves, know that the summer is right at hand, unquote. This is in Teachings of Joseph Smith, page 161. And verily I say unto you, the rest of my servants, Go ye forth as your circumstances shall permit in your several callings unto the great and notable cities and villages, 
reproving the world in righteousness of all their unrighteous and ungodly deeds, setting forth clearly and understandingly the desolation of abomination in the last days. Thus the Lord concludes this revelation. For with you, saith the Lord Almighty, I will rend their kingdoms. I will not only shake the earth, but the starry heavens shall tremble. For I, the Lord, have put forth my hand to exert the powers of heaven. Ye cannot see it now, yet a little while, and ye shall see it, and know that I am, and that I will come and reign with my people. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.